0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the MoWo Show. It's our favorite part of Wednesday morning. Here we are, Alex and I are back. Great show, we're gonna run down some Microsoft 365 news that you need to know. Uh, Discussion coming up, who is automation for? Alex and I are gonna pick that apart. We've got another watch and learn mini segment and feature versus feature. Is Alex gonna get his first win of 2022? I know and he knows. And I bet you want to know as well. Ladies and gentlemen, we've left some coffee on for you. It's time for the MoO Show. Good morning, everybody, and good morning, Alex Henry. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing quite terrific. How about you today, Mr. Ryan? Uh, I'm heavily caffeinated. So, cheers. Let's do our virtual glass clink. Cheers. Uh, I
1: drank all my coffee this morning and my eye is nice and twitchy. So, I'm ahead of the game. I'm ready to go.
0: <laughs> it's going to be a good day.
1: Yeah. So, we're talking about automation. We're talking about we got to watch and learn ready to go. And, of course, feature versus feature. So,
0: yeah, this is going to be a nice. day. Uh, Do you want to start with some news? All right. From the news desk, it's been relatively quiet. It's been a relatively quiet week. Not so much quiet for Microsoft News. Always lots going on there uh, out of Redmond, Washington. But in context of Microsoft 365 and what you may may be going through on your modern workplace journey, uh, only a few stories. First one, uh, Microsoft announced that they will be blocking by default Visual Basic Macros in the Office apps. So, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Visio, and Access. If you are using Visual Basic Macros, you'll be prompted in those apps. There'll be some extra steps for you to go forward and do if you want to use Visual Basic Macros. Now, <laughs> just because I'm silly like this, I went back into the history books to see when VBA macros first came out in Microsoft Office. 19 dickity do? 1993, 1993 called, they want their macros back. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're still using macros in your workbooks, in your Word files, in your PowerPoints, it's wow. tight. it's time, <laughs> yes, wow. Um, but there's always been a security concern around macros, if they're trusted or not, do you want to run them? The default going forward looks like March, April timeline in those Office desktop apps, there's going to not work by default, and some extra hoops to jump through to use those. So
1: break out your old Rolodex and find your original VB developer um, from pull them out of retirement because you're going to probably if you've been using some old macros for a few decades, you're going to need some help deciphering that stuff. I imagine.
0: Yeah. I also imagine again, ladies and gentlemen, SharePoint lists, Microsoft lists, add on some Power Automate. I think there's some very, very compelling ways to get away from those visual basic macros. There's a a lot more new technology and a lot more options. So dig into that, check it out and stay tuned. Obviously, that's something that we talk about quite a bit here on Mm -hmm. Team mobile Um, Next item, Microsoft Viva. Happy birthday, turns one. So still in diapers, Um, But Microsoft's Employee Experience Platform, otherwise known as Viva, we've got Viva Connections, Viva Insights, Viva Learning, and Viva Topics. So a few different products in the Viva family um, is is celebrating one year. It's been out in market for about a year now. So you may have seen this in your own Microsoft 365 environment at work. Um, Probably most notably is Viva Connections, I would say. Mm -hmm. And our Viva Learning maybe is probably out there the most. Microsoft's reporting in the blog post um, that they were celebrating the birthday. 10 million monthly active users using at least one piece of the Viva Pi. So I bet it's
1: Viva Insights. That one is because that one just took over my analytics and basically just flipped. So everyone that was already using it probably just started getting Viva uh, Insights notifications instead.
0: Insights and connections are are freebie ones, don't forget. So that's likely where most of the business or most of the usage was happening. Um, learning and topics, a little bit more setup required, a little bit more in, you know detailed to, to get that going for your organization and some fees, some licensing required. So uh, I don't know what the actual numbers are on there, but really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've started to use Viva Connections ourselves in, in our own organization. I think it's a great way to build on your SharePoint intranet. I think it's a really nice way to make things interactive and bring them into teams, that's sort of the, 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 pros there for me, um, Viva insights. I was already using my analytics. I really love the, uh, the weekly recaps of your activities and booking focus time, uh, so that's just kind of a nice evolution there as well as, as you say, Alex. Oh, go focus time. Go Um, (laughs) focus. I'm always, and for anyone that doesn't know, I'm always harping on this.
1: If uh, you haven't tried this before and you have a hard time managing your day, start booking your calendar for work. Like, because if you do, if you block off your calendar to give yourself time to do actual work, then you'll get it done. You'll get it done. And people can't take that away from meetings because they probably weren't that important to begin
0: with. There you go. There you go. I need to, continue to learn how to adopt that.
1: (laughs) Seems like you need some Viva Insights training.
0: I need some Viva Insights training. Bring it on. Um, Last piece of news, nothing that's been sort of published formally in the last little while in in the Microsoft space. Um, Price increases are coming across a variety of Microsoft 365 subscriptions, plans, licenses, call them what you will. Uh, Those are rolling out March 1st. So, If your organization hasn't heard yet from your Microsoft partner, you may want to tap them on the shoulders and just get up to speed with the changes that are coming with Microsoft 365 licensing. Don't panic folks, everything will be okay. Grab your security blanket, have some fun with it. It's gonna be okay. Um, but again, talk to your Microsoft partner. If you're buying direct from Microsoft, uh, chances are they've communicated with you already as well.
1: It's two years in a row, isn't it? This I is think this-
0: they did this in 2021. They do they do currency updates a lot. So for us, particularly in Canada, where they have to match the Canadian prices to U.S. dollar prices, okay, that happens every once in a while. Um, this is a more significant and broad licensing model change. Mm-hmm. We only have an, we only have fifty one minutes left in the MoO show. Uh, we'll just stop the topic here because I could absolutely talk about it for fifty one minutes. <laughs> Like I say, though, folks, if you are buying Microsoft 365, if you have an IT shop, if you have a managed service provider that is your Microsoft partner, reach out to them, start having those conversations now. So it's not a shock when things change or when you're presented with the options for things to change for your org.
1: Absolutely.
0: We'll we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there before I start to develop a uh, a twitch myself. So that's the news. That's uh, that's basically all I could dig up around the net that you need to know around M three sixty five.
1: Yeah, I've been seeing like little bits of information trickling out, new a couple of new features here and there. Nothing too groundbreaking. Uh, one that's been popping up on my activity feed uh, has been the fact that apparently teams is going to start importing linkedin profiles uh, to your user profiles by default i haven't looked into this too deeply yet because i just started seeing these posts the other day and i can't help but think this is something we talked about last week what like one outlook already does this so this is not anything new yeah um sometimes it finds the person. Sometimes it doesn't, but it just kind of like lives in the background. Mm-hmm. Now they're bringing that to Teams. My question is, you know, why isn't Teams bringing in contacts from Outlook yet? <laughs> Anyone? I guess Microsoft Teams is only four years old. What do I want?
0: That's a that's a different department. <laughs> oh, pardon. <Yeah. laughs> no, I, and, and the nice thing about that LinkedIn add-on for Outlook, at least in my experience, is Um, There's a sign in process, you have to sign in with your LinkedIn account. Because I I think what is super typical is we've got our work account, we've got our work Microsoft account and our work email address. But a lot of people sign up for LinkedIn with their own personal account, right? Uh, So I think you do need to give permission somehow to, to bridge the gap between work, work and home work.
1: So, I would hope so, because I don't know if I'd want my LinkedIn profile to just start promoting it all over all yeah. of my uh, contacts and network, that's for sure. At least not without my consent.
0: That's right. And I think there's, there's maybe benefits here for inside your organization. I don't know. Uh, especially if you're in a smaller org, you likely know everyone that you work with anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but because you all would work for the same employer, maybe there's some type of graph or... Uh, some type of org chart that could show up in Teams or through Outlook uh, based on who you're employed with uh, in LinkedIn. I know LinkedIn always asks you, who who do you work with? Who reports to you? Who do you report to? So they're already trying to infer your org chart. And I believe if you give LinkedIn enough money, you know, as a sales navigator or whatever, uh, those navigator plans, you get access to some of that um org structure if you're selling to an org it's uh it can be quite valuable information so yeah but for the rest of
1: us that aren't in sales i'm just gonna like turn that off
0: yeah yeah just another thing anything else you found out in the in the World Wide webs uh nothing too big and
1: bold in the microsoft camp um Still hearing some rumblings over the OneDrive stuff for macOS users. So mm-hmm. um, I did post a link on our last uh, last week's episode on that blog post from Microsoft. So um, if you are a macOS user that uses OneDrive, um, go check that out go find out what's changing because it's going it likely will have some impact to your day-to-day and to your teams anyone that's using mac os and
0: the OneDrive sync app uh so definitely just keep an eye out for that one other than that uh, it's been pretty quiet right on well let's then venture on to to our discussion of the week um folks you know how we plan the MoO show every friday we get together as a team and we sort of suss out the topic we we decide what we'd like to talk about for the upcoming week and so last friday we had this thought of course everyone that knows me knows i love to talk about automation and so we kind of got into this little parallel discussion who is automation for so let's let's unpack that a little bit and alex if you want to go ahead um i know we we each kind of got fired up on on either side of the issue but let's let's hear it out what uh who do you think automation is for in the workplace. My
1: feelings when it comes to automation is that it is a tool that allows you to add on or uh, supplement your existing tools. So if you have a process that is extremely manual, we say automate it and you can go and start learning how to use Power Automate and connecting all these flows together to streamline a process. For the average user that just needs to get a task done, the entry to automation can be a very steep one. So when we look at who automation is for, one, you have to, it's not necessarily that you have to have a coding background because these are often low code scenarios and tools that kind of guide you along the process, but it is a very valuable foundation to have when you get started with power automate and let, so I would not expect the average user to just open up power automate or uh, power apps and just kind of know how to start putting things together without any mm-hmm. kind of prior training. Um, the, while it is available to you and accessible to you, the learning curve is a bit steep. So if you don't have that background of how objects work, if you don't know how to create a condition that controls if one action happens, then do another, you're going to have a long, it's going to be a lot harder to get that job done. It's going to be a lot harder to build a flow that does the thing you want it to do to save you the time. And at some point you might start thinking, well, it was so much work to get this flow to work and support it because we don't have enough information internally or enough knowledge internally to manage it we might as well have just kept using the tool that or the process we had before because at least we we're able to get the job done reliably. Mm-hmm. So that's the rub in terms of if is automation for anyone? I don't think so. Is it available to everyone? Yes. Now, who is it for? You don't have to be a programmer. But I would say you need to have an interest in how computer logic works because that's the name of the game there. Mm-hmm. You have to have an idea of how to work through a problem step by step, map out your contingencies on a piece of paper in a diagramming program like Visio or any of the million others out there to make sure that you have a solid understanding of what it's going to do, how it starts how it finishes and how it's going to fail before we even start building your flow. Because if you just jump in and start trying to make things, you're going to have a long struggle to get through to that end product. Trust me. I know I have some programming (laughs) and training experience, um, but I don't consider myself a programmer, especially Mm -hmm. in today by today's standards. And I struggle through power automate still because I don't have a lot of that background or knowledge. So if you have that experience or that interest, you've read up a little bit and you stay current, Power Automate's for you. Power Flows is for you. If you are not that type of user, do some research first before you before you start jumping into Power Automate and Power Platform because you, you might find the tools you're looking for. Hell, you might even find a passion for something that you didn't even know you had by jumping into it. That's a very common thing. Yeah. A lot of people start programming because they want to solve one small little problem. And then it balloons into 130, making your first, 130 your, hours later. <laughs> you're making apps, you're making websites, and now you've got you are now an indie company selling crypto for some reason. It just you never know <laughs> where it's gonna go. So um the interest has to be there. The desire to solve problems and troubleshoot those problems has to be there because that's what programming, that's what like pro like um. That's what that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, is trying to solve a problem and understanding all the
0: pieces and the process behind it. And, and I think I'm going to struggle to to debate the other side of that coin, which is you, you said it perfectly. You said automation should benefit everybody, and I, I absolutely agree on that. I think from the first line, from the shop floor to the top floor, uh, it's been a while since I've used that expression. Automation should benefit everyone but how the automation gets to those users and benefits those end users yeah there's a little bit of a a gray area um, there was always that saying if you want a job done you know if you want a job done quick is it give it to give it to a lazy guy because he'll figure out some innovative new way to to kind of cut corners and get—I
1: know, I know that phrase. I've heard it before, something yeah. like that. If the laziest person is going to find the most innovative way to do something and the
0: easiest solution to that path, right? It's not going to be the one you expect, but they're going to get the job done. It'll be novel, right? It'll be a novel approach. So I think if we take that saying, keep it in mind um, when it comes to to automation uh, and business process automation. Give the job to someone who's a natural tinkerer and uh, you know someone who you may not even expect to have those skills. Someone completely removed from IT, absolutely, to try out automation because you may just be surprised at what they come up with. And I think the important thing to stress is not to take the human element away from automation. So as much as it is about low code or no code, as much, Alex, to your point, as it is about conditions and, and sort of understanding computer logic, Yes, but there's still a tangible human element to opportunities that you can automate. And again, I think the best way to to do that is to bring enough users of varying backgrounds of different roles from the shop floor to the top floor, get them all together and start painting targets on things you can automate. Because again, people in IT are going to be relatively siloed and they may not know what opportunities are out there for a front desk clerk in in accommodations, in the accommodations world, for someone who's in the stock room, for someone who's you know, in a truck delivering things. Again, there's going to be all sorts of opportunities that you just may not hear about if you're in one department or another. So who does the automation who programs the things and who distributes the flows and who does training on that okay i agree that's up in the air and maybe more of a champion should focus on that but where the ideas come from and where the inspiration can start for some of these automated workflows should come from everybody or a sampling of everybody in your organization
1: you need to understand the problem at a deep level which means Mm -hmm. talking to people getting that information and understanding all aspects of a process especially when there's multiple teams departments involved in it what starts one part of the process and Mm -hmm. when does it trigger the next part or a parallel part of that process where you need to kind of note you start let's say you request a form That notifies IT, that notifies HR. HR starts their sub-process and they have to approve something. IT needs to approve something, comes back to you, and then you get to do your next task. There's so many little bits about it um, that we kind of don't think about when we just do our day-to-day jobs because we don't see it. We don't see what other people are doing around us that contribute to the whole. And that becomes, it makes it really interesting um, when you start kind of untangling that and kind of putting it on paper, um, I love process mapping. I love visualizing these things, um, mm-hmm. because it just brings a lot of enlightenment to how we operate as a team and where we are succeeding, where things were great and where things in a process struggle, where we find the, um the clogs or the um or things that really get jammed up Yep. it might be that where that paper process ends because no one knows how to deal with all this paper that's coming in and landing on someone's desk and where it's supposed to go That's a very common issue but when you map it out you start getting that whole thing you can start making decisions on how to handle it and you start getting that oh it depends out of your process and it's if this happens, it goes there. If yeah. that happens, it goes there. There's no if or oh, no if ands or buts about it. It's just well, it's, there's a few ifs probably, but
0: uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, and I mean, um, I I like buts too. But um, the thing I think you read my the the thing you read my mind on is is there's a few places that you can go metaphorically, not physically, um, to to sort of sit and watch and observe where those bottlenecks are. And sometimes they're a very physical thing. Sometimes they're a corner of someone's desk, and that stack of forms that's stuck right there. There's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You can sit in, in the corner. It sounds terrible. You could sit in the corner. You could sit in the corner of your, of your office or your workplace and see where do people move and where are they moving frequently? Where are they taking things? Where are they taking things that just end up in the, anyways? There's another. Um, approvals. Again, we can't go physically sit in someone's email inbox uh, or their messages in Teams or SMS on their phone, whatever. But again, you can see when a person is overwhelmed, busy, got lots on the go, yes, staffing shortages, we're doing more with less, there's more stress on people to to do more in less time and get things done. Um, If there are people and their own abilities and time constraints are your bottlenecks there's an opportunity for some automation and on that note this is something that's sat on my mind for a bit there's there's
1: always this notion of trying to use automation to kind of supplement our processes when we have fewer staff to work with fewer resources Mm -hmm. doing more with less etc but when we get into looking at those processes, it kind of also becomes an opportunity where you have to make a decision whether automation is the solution or not. Mm-hmm. Because if you sit down to look at that process at the very beginning, map it out with the stakeholders and the people involved in it you might find where you're adding an unnecessary bloat because you had those bodies to do all that. You Mm -hmm. can hand it off to one person, they go and hand it off to the next person, and that train continues. But when half those people are gone, that paper can just come directly to you because you're the person that needs to actually take an action on it. And you skip all all those extra steps. You can just bring it over, get it done, and streamline that process without having to write a single line of code. So there's that question of, um, if we have to do more with less automation, that's definitely needs to be in the conversation, but it's not always going to be the solution that's appropriate for the problem at hand. Right. On. And so when it comes to just like trying to solve those problems, start by mapping it out. And then if it's a matter of moving files, notifying people and using digital tools, great. You can automate that, I and mean, we can definitely do a lot of really cool things with it. Mm-hmm. If you need a special way to document things, you have special forms. You have very specific things that are required by um, government, by policies, by government uh, regulations you can leverage your automation to do that and take care of the little things for you so you can mm-hmm. drop a file into a folder on SharePoint it's tagged properly it's got the right retention policies it's notified the right people saying hey it's at we have a new document in here email a new form notifies the right people it's got the little status beside it saying received sent and you can use that to just manage it as a whole you got and you have all that information in front of you it makes it a lot easier to kind of I don't know. See the whole; it, it just it, it can streamline a lot of things, I guess. Yeah. At the end of the day, um, but only if it addresses the core problem.
0: Yeah, and and maybe we're using the term automation very very broadly, and it could be standardization, um, modernization. I, I know there's there's probably a bunch of different terms that you could you could use, um, but I would say if you're in a position where you're looking at Doing more with less, and I'm going to come back to that in just a second, or throwing people at a problem or throwing money at a problem, I would really strongly encourage you to look at automation and what it can do for you. But go back to do more with less for just a second. Maybe that's the germ of the idea. Maybe that's where your inspiration comes from is how can I do more with less? What about doing better with what you've got? putting people you know taking the work away that does not contribute to your mission the bottom line what you want to achieve as an organization teachers should be teaching technicians Mm -hmm. should be technicianing no they should be fixing and building engineers should be engineering students should be learning Salespeople should be selling Um, doctors and folks nurses in the healthcare industry should be healing and helping people not Moving paper, doing forms, waiting for approvals, and dealing with bottlenecks. So, and if you can redeploy resources to do what they need to do by automating the burdensome, again, maybe that's maybe that's a little less of doing more with less, and maybe that's doing better with what we've got. Hmm. And I, I see what you're I see where you're coming with
1: that because ultimately, when we have work that needs to be done paper files need to be moved people need to be notified work needs to be done Mm -hmm. you need you need to have a clear system to manage that flow of information that works so people can do what they need to do when they're when they need to do it instead of the you know how often do we come across situations where someone's like well every week i have to fill these forms and submit them for government approvals or something like that and Watching, a pro- watching them do the work, it's 20 steps, 20 unnecessary yes. steps to accomplish a task that they could have done in maybe three, maybe five. And the automation can come in in terms of making sure that they have that right information at the get-go mm-hmm. as a whole as a unit in terms of making sure that they're notified at the right point in time they when they complete a task it's sent to the right location um one of my favorite examples is finding um this is a client we worked with years ago where they kind of took file um pictures of stuff out in the field and they needed a way to share that with people in the shop because they had to action on it. I think there was like reference photos for a project they're working on. And their process was to take a photo with their phone, upload it to the computer with a cord, and then they'd email that picture to someone at the office and then they'd upload, take that photo and move it up into maybe SharePoint or a network
0: drive. And if you emailed the large photo, the high quality picture, it was too big to send through email. So you had to send the low res version, remember those days?
1: Yeah, and I'm like, okay, well you can just take your phone and use this one app, an office app, and it'll save directly to the folder it needs to be. Yeah. And then we can take that, we can set something up automation-wise mm-hmm. to ensure it's tagged correctly, to ensure that it's labeled correctly and it's notified the person who needs to take the next action on it. And instead of that action being download file from email, move it to folder, it's oh, hey, fill out the damn form. Yeah, yeah. Finish it. Send it off to whoever needs to go to, do the work you actually need to do, get all that extra stuff out of there. Um, But you won't find that you won't get to that level of streamlined until you actually look at the whole as the whole problem and that whole workflow. So I always keep, I keep coming back to that because the automation without that inspection, without that reflection, Mm -hmm. you don't want automation replicating your processes like you still had 20 staff when you're down to 10 or five it can't that's still not as that still doesn't address the problem at the whole where you're missing people your processes need to change and reflect that and then if you decide to hire back up you can adjust again that's Mm -hmm. totally okay or find better more applicable jobs that isn't
0: that doesn't necessarily involve moving files and paper around Mm -hmm. right on I think we've we've got this big machine that is collaboration in the modern workplace. Uh, automation is just serving as as the grease, you know, to keep it humming along, to keep it running smooth. Exactly. Um, something it- I something I said I I don't know, it was maybe a year or two ago, I said um automation is a compound interest in the modern workplace because the more you bring, the greater the return is going to be. And again, you've got the right people at the table. Again, i'm I'm saying, bring everyone to that table if you can. or someone's gonna have to wear a awful lot of hats to make sure that the impact of automation is is recognized across an org. absolutely. Automation comes with its, and this will be my final
1: point on this one. Automation alone isn't enough of a solution until again, you understand the problem. Okay. And it comes with its own overhead. You can't automation programming in any capacity in any field or industry. You can't just create a program and expect things to run on their own. They're tools at the end of the day to help you do your job, the thing Mm -hmm. you need to get done. So be prepared to understand and support that by documenting it. Yep. Make sure everyone that is involved in that process knows mm -hmm. that the automation exists, how it works, what it does, and who owns it. So if things need to change later, you can Mm -hmm. assign someone or train someone to do that task in the future. And that kind of goes back to looking at those old VBA workbooks that you might have to clean up now and try to figure out how they work, who owns it, and how you are gonna get that thing up to code or replace it entirely?
0: Right, how do we service it? And, And if that sounds like a headache or a struggle, again, there's plenty of partners out there in the world, MOBO being one, where we'll help you with those challenges around automation, mm-hmm. so did so. Do we like automation now? Is that are we still? Where did we land on that? What, what's what's my nickname again, Mister Ryan, Mister Robot, Mister Robot, Mister Automation? Yeah. No, I I mean I've been I've been really into automation for for the last couple of years. I know it can work. I've seen the ROI. I've I've done the work with clients where they have that aha moment. And then what's really fascinating to watch is automation spread kind of like wildfire around an organization where one department sees another department's improvement, process change, and then they want in on it. And then the next one wants in on it and the next one wants in it. So I... Such a uh, good feeling. It is. It is. And it's great to work in environments where... Uh, leadership is excited about automation and its potential so keep your eyes on the prize folks keep your eyes open and, and just be open to those opportunities I think there's a lot of, uh, of return eyes on that prize eyes on that prize Mr. Alex are you ready for some watch and learn let's do it all right folks you're with me today you're going to watch and learn with me Alex is up for this week what are you going to show us today
1: I'm going to actually show you just how to make a Microsoft Planner board, but in Microsoft Lists. Why? Because Hmm. we can now, especially. Uh, More recently, Microsoft released an update to Microsoft Lists that allows you to turn your Planner boards, or sorry, your lists into a Planner-like board. So here's an example. So if you've never used Microsoft Lists before, SharePoint lists have been around for a very long time, and this isn't very new. They just gave it a facelift in 2020. And what we got here is just a nice table-like structure to hold tasks, information, assets. We can assign columns such as choice columns, date columns. We can assign, we can add names using their um, Active Directory profile to items. Inside the items themselves, we can treat them like forms, comment on them, and so much more. It is a terrific tool. But they took a new, they did something new recently, which added a new view type called Board View. So if you click on your little view option here and then go down to Create New View, you might see this new option next to Gallery called Board View. And what this does, again, is it turns your table into more of a kanban like structure where your tasks turn into cards your 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 bucket items your list items turn into cards that revolve that live in these vertical task lists called buckets and they took that term right out of microsoft planner for consistency so we're going to learn how to use this new view i'm going to show you how to use this view to create your own planner like board so Why would we do this? Why, what's the angle of this? Well, if you've used Microsoft Planner, you might have a love-hate relationship with it, like I do. It is really great at just being able to create tasks, assign them to people with due dates, and try to keep tabs on work in progress for small projects. But where Planner lacks, or some weaknesses of it, is the fact that one, it has to live in a Microsoft 365 group, which means it's always a shared board. And on top of that, you have no ability to restrict access to them unless you make your own SharePoint site by yourself. So that's the only way you're ever going to get a private planner board is if you have your own SharePoint site and you just kind of run out of that. But that means you can't assign tasks to anyone because no one's a part of your group. It sucks. But, well, that part of it sucks. Uh, But with planner, but but by making this in lists, you can actually... Um, have your own p- private board, you can still assign tasks to people, whether or not they're part of your board or because it doesn't live in a group, it doesn't matter. And you have a lot more customization and control out of it that you don't get with Microsoft Planner. So I'm gonna show you one of two ways to approach this. So I showed you my original concept here where I just made this one from scratch using some dummy items. Uh, you can see I've got my columns set up here. So I've got a couple of dummy tasks. I've got a choice column called bucket that replaces the buckets you see in planner. I've got my status column, another choice. This tracks where my tasks are. Simple choice. Start and end dates. I've got my assigned to. Again, this uses your Active Directory profiles for anyone inside the organization. By default, they won't get notified um, when you add someone to this list, but you can add that on by creating rules inside of your app. So that resolves that issue. You've got a multi-select field for notes, so you can add ta- information about the note about your task. I've added a, another choice column with multi-select enabled, which allows me to assign labels like tags to specific items, and we could do more. Because it's lists at the end of the day, we can add as many columns as we want. We can change the values of these columns if we want. We don't have to call them this. This is just what I took from Planner to make it as close to that experience as possible. So, how do we get started? Well, if you wanted to make this from scratch, you can just go to Microsoft Lists from my office.com or from your waffle menu and then create a new list. So, I'm going to do this uh, one of two ways. Uh, But I am just going to show you the really basic part of just making one from scratch. And then I'm going to show you the slightly faster way afterwards. So by creating a new one, we're going to call this Planner Board V3. Give it a description if you want, color, icon, and save it to my lists. If you click this drop down, you'll see all of your SharePoint sites in here as well. But you can just keep it in your private list, which is your own private SharePoint connected to OneDrive um, for those that just don't know where that lives. So this actually lives in your SharePoint site or sorry, your OneDrive. Although, Ryan, did you know you can't actually access these from OneDrive?
0: Yes. Yeah, they're they're almost like hidden files, right?
1: Yeah. The only way you can get to them right now is from Office.com and from Microsoft lists. But maybe one day they'll treat them like just normal files, like one like SharePoint does today. We'll get there. Um, but all right, so I've got my list here ready to go. and again, if I wanted to replicate the fields that we saw that we see in planner, then I would just go and add them by going to add columns. So I can add a multiple lines field for notes.. Uh, Learn how to use my keyboard here, there we go. And for large, te- where there's going to be large text, there's going to be a lot of information. You can in- you can enable rich text, uh, which allows links, tables, and other stuff inside of the field. It's pretty cool. Um, so I'll add that. Let's add a field for our status. So I'm going to use a choice field. And then we're going to call this status, and I think, Planner calls this progress, like the progress of your task. Doesn't matter what you call it. It's really, it's your plan. It's up to you. Then we'll just add our custom fields. Let's started. What's the other one? In development, in progress, something like that. And then completed, of course. then you can format these with the colors you want. So maybe you want to complete it to have a nice healthy green while you're in development, flagged with the red because it's active. And then we'll just leave Not Started. So we'll save that as a basic way. And then I'm just going to add one date field just for reference. And it's going to be our due dates. Now, I'll show you another way of approaching this in a little bit. But there we go. I'm not going to include the time. That's optional. And I'm not going to include a default value for this one. So there we go. I've got my basics here. So I can technically go into Edit Grid View, and we'll call this task one, task two, and task three. I wanted to add some content into here. Again, because rich text is enabled, I've got formatting options. Do this task will be my instruction. And then I'll just hit OK. Status. We'll say not started and because this acts like a table, I can drag this down like it was in Excel to pre-populate some fields. Remember you have to be in edit mode to do that and then due date. I'm just going to make it due for the end of this week. Again, dragging it down and that looks good. So let's exit grid view and there we go. I've got three tasks. I've got my status for all of them and some due dates. So what I'm going to do here is create a new view or call this board view. And then I'm going to select board. And what you're going to see here is this option to choose how you're going to organize your board. So you can use, it only allows you to use status columns. And, but it does give you the option if you don't have a choice column, So sorry, it only allows you to use choice columns. And um, if you don't have one already in your list, you have the option of creating one here. In my experience, this one's still a little buggy. When I tried creating, using this option to force create a new choice field, it didn't quite work as expected. I think that one still needs some time in the oven before I recommend that approach. My recommendation is to create your choice field first, populate it, and then select that as your choice. So let's create a new view here. So there we go, that's our board view. You have this column on the left for unassigned items. So if there is no default value or value assigned to status, then they will show up over here. Uh, You can avoid that by having a default value it forced into your columns, but that's a topic for another day. So just like Planner, I've got my visible buckets. If I click on a task, I can modify the content. You'll notice I didn't add a comments field because that's already built into the record here. And unlike Planner, we can add mention. Anyone in the organization, it's wonderful. And you've also got your activity feed here so you can see what's been changed on this item at any point in time. Pretty cool stuff. And just like Planner, I can take these tasks and drag them across our uh, buckets here. So I'm changing the status of these every time I move them over and I can change them back. There is no option to sort them within the column. I'm not really sure what logic it's using for this. It might just be alphabetical. I'm not sure at this point, Um, but just as a heads up, you can only drag them side to side. You can't order them vertically within the buckets themselves. That's okay for now. I'm pretty sure that'll come down the road. The last thing I'm going to show you at the high level is how to um customize the cards. So let's say you don't really want the you don't really care about the content that's showing up in the card, you want to add more, simplify it, or just rearrange the fields. You can go to um, uh, let's see here, close that board view, and then customize cards. And then this is how you can design your cards so you can choose what is and is not included. So one thing I do, I'd like to have is my title to make sure that's included. You know, you see how it got that backwards. It showed up in the card, but it wasn't selected. And then I added it and it removed it. Still trying to figure it, it's still got some little quirks to figure out. But I'm just gonna drag that title field to the top because that's where I like seeing it. So I've got my task title, my status. Because I'm using this view, I don't really want my status showing up twice. It doesn't really help me. So I'm going to take that off, cleans up the cards a little bit. And then I'm already showing the names as labels. So we're good to go. And I've got my due date enabled. So we're good. So I'm going to save that. And there we go. So that's an example of how you can customize the cards. You can show other fields, images. If you have an image field and it'll show a little preview on the card itself, it works pretty well. So that's the very basic process of getting this set up. And again, if you want to add some automation... You can go into here and create some rules to notify someone through email when something changes in your table.
0: And when something's deleted. So
1: take that planner. Take that planner. Um speaking of planner, you know what else it also has the we haven't covered yet? Charts. So what do we do? what microsoft has added in the recent in the last year is integration with power platform so this allows you to create flows so if you want to add some automation some extra steps you can create one from here you can create um power automate flows you can create power apps to create custom forms and there's power bi which allows you to visualize this list now this is not going to be available to everyone. And I'm not 100% sure on how the licensing works on this one, but my understanding, and Ryan, you can correct me, is look, it just took me to uh, the login page where it wants me to either buy or sign in. So let's see what happens. If I sign in here as Miram it should take me to a page where I can actually design that form. So that didn't work. Let's try that one more time. Now that I'm signed in, we're going to go integrate power BI, visualize the list. And that should take me to, a page where i can it's just going to generate charts for me using power bi i can save that and then share it all with colleagues now my understanding from a licensing perspective is that you either need to have a power bi pro or an e5 license to customize these reports if you don't have either of those e5 or a power pro, power bi pro license i think you can still i think you can still use it but you can't modify the fields. It's a very much a one-time thing. You just generate what it, you take what it gives you and that's about it. And this isn't loading right now, we'll come back to that later. So that's in general how the form works. So I mentioned earlier, there's another approach to building this. I'm just gonna take my last two minutes, right? If I can, to show you how you can build one using Excel to save you some steps. Cause I think this is important If you already have all the information you need, but you wanna get into uh, into a list as quickly as possible, you can import the information from an Excel spreadsheet. So if I click from Excel, I can choose from OneDrive or I can upload directly from my computer. So I'm gonna take directly from my computer and go into uh, my desktop, wherever that's saved these days, there it is. Then I've got one that's pre-prepared. Actually exported one of my planner boards and just saved it as an Excel spreadsheet. So that way I had some contents ready to go. This method, I highly recommend if you already have all of your tasks laid out. Because you can build this in Excel really fast, import everything at once. And then all you have to do is really tweak a few things after the data has been imported. Starting here. Before you actually import the data, you can check some of your field types. Not everything's going to be available to you here, but you get some options. Title should always be title because this is your main record uh, reference title field. Um, Bucket I have here, I'm going to make this a choice field because I want these to be options, not text. Uh, Same thing with status, I'm going to make that a choice field. Uh, Start and end dates, again, I took these right out of Planner. I'm going to choose date and time. That only got added recently, I think. That wasn't an option uh, last time I did this. At least maybe I don't remember being an option. Assign to is not an option here. There's no person field, which I would use normally to assign tasks to someone. So I'm just going to leave this as a single line of text. And then everything else for this demo, I'm just going to say do not import because I don't need the rest of this. So including things like the exported information and just like information that's just not relevant to what we're doing today here. So that looks good. I got my field selected. Let's hit Next. And it's given my board a nice ugly name. I'll call this Planner Board V4. And again, I'm just going to save it to my lists and hit Create. So that's going to upload that list within seconds. And all my content's ready to go. couple of things to check out here, because this has not been a perfect experience for me in setting this up, make sure first of all, that your choice fields are set up correctly. So what I do is I select on the choice field, go to column settings, hit edit, and confirm if my choice has actually arrived here. So the import process for choice fields has not been successful yet. So that's something Microsoft will have to work on. Um, so you might have to add them in here, but at least I've already got them populated. So all I have to do is copy this, pop them in here and we're good to go. So check your choice fields, check your date fields, because you all you ultimately you might not want the timestamps in there. So you can come here, turn that off, hit save. That's good to go. Do the same thing with end dates if you want to. And lastly, the assigned to we have to import this as a single line of text. So I can go into column settings, hit edit, and you don't have every option under the, the world, but if you import it as a single line of text, it might sometimes, oh, it doesn't give you the option to import it as a as a name. So I'll actually have to import that or do this manually. I thought this one was included, but apparently not. I was incorrect about that.
0: That's okay. Not a, a huge little, one to add in. Yeah, a little copy paste job should yeah. get you
1: there. So a couple of things you'll have to clean up after the import, but this really will pay dividends if you have a lot of tasks that you've already got this information for. Um, So instead of having to manually add every single task and populate it, get all that, bring it in in bulk, and then just tweak a few things after the import, and then you're off and running. Create your views. Again, create new view, select board view. We'll call this bucket boards. We'll select the choice field, bucket. And because I didn't actually populate that, so I don't think this will work. Oh, it actually did work. That's so weird, and I'll take it. But there we go. We have our board view, and we're off and running. You can create multiple views for different perspectives by who they're assigned to, by your dates, by whatever makes sense. But remember, board view only works with choice columns, so just keep that in mind. Um, that's it for this demo, though. I hope you find this helpful. Power. Um, so using Microsoft Lists, To create your private planner boards. You can assign tasks to people, notify them. You can share these out with individuals internally and if your organization allows for it, externally too. So it gives you a lot more flexibility and customization because it's built-in lists and not planner. Um, But there is a learning curve at the end of the day. So you might need to play with it a little bit before you start trying to convert every single one of your projects into Microsoft lists if it's your first time using such an app. And it looks like my visualization load. Look at that. So it's not quite as quick as Microsoft Planner in terms of just those quick um, charts, but you can tweak some of this a little bit and you can save them, print them off to your computer and reuse them as you need to
0: very very cool and, and and Alex I've been sitting on this comment for the last like 10 minutes or so 1993 called they want their visual basic macros back and you know who answered the phone Microsoft lists with board view it's so good Wait it is on. so good that is cool. awesome oh well, great stuff great stuff let's keep uh, things moving along cuz i know we're coming up to the top of the hour it is that time of the week again feature versus feature ladies and gentlemen I didn't know how this one was gonna go. I started off early. I started, I had a good early lead after last week's show, but uh, Alex wins by a two thirds majority. Alex, last week you showed us scheduling uh, pages and news in SharePoint. And I brought Microsoft 365 audio conferencing to the party but it looks like the tables, not necessarily have turned, but the tables are reset and hey, I'm on the board
1: for 2022. That's all board. that matters. There
0: we go. So, still two to one for the current score. Uh, but Alex, you are the winner this week, which means you get first crack at oh, showing perfect. your feature.
1: Well, mine's going to be a nice short one since I did that feature versus feature. Um, mine is uh, a Microsoft Edge feature, Ooh, and okay. it's pay it, and it's just screenshots. So if you hit the keys, Control-Shift-S on your keyboard, and if it's Mac OS, I believe it's Command-Shift-S. We'll have a link to the shortcuts in the show notes, but it'll bring up an Edge-exclusive method of capturing your screen. So you'll see this little pop-up show up here where I can capture a specific area. So my mouse is now these crosshairs, or I can capture the full page if I want to in one click. So let's do that. So I've got my screenshot and it brings me to a page, which just is one of my favorite things. So first things first, I can mark it up. So I've got a little pen tool with some colors, sizing. I can quickly draw on this image, be like, yo, click on this thing because this is the most important thing. Yo, don't touch this. Don't look at that. Or just play tic-tac-toe over the image, whatever comes (laughs) first. If you make a mistake, again, there's an eraser tool there. But here's where I really love it how you save it first you can save the op you can just save it onto your computer like a normal image you'll just save it as a jpeg i believe you can add it to your edge collection so if you don't really have a place for it now but you use edge collections to just collect information and uh, some research you can save it directly to there and then of course you can just copy it to your clipboard including your markup so if i just hit copy I'll do that first. I'll start a new collection, add it to my collections, and even just gave it a name. And then, of course, I can save it directly to my computer. If I want to, it just goes right into my downloads. And that's the feature. So if I go into, let's say, a Word document now and open that up, I'm just going to paste that in. So if you're working with someone and you want to take a quick screenshot to show them where to click and what to do, you can do that with Edge. So if you're in the Edge browser all day and you're working on apps, you want to take a quick screenshot, mark it up, copy it to your clipboard, paste it into a Teams chat, into a Teams channel, into an email, there you go. Just help someone out really quickly by showing them what they need to do or pointing at something really specific on your screen. This is a great tool to have at
0: your fingertips. That's my feature. Right on. Have I mentioned that I love Edge? Probably. Probably. (laughs) All right. Edge is
1: a great browser. It just needs to stop popping It just needs to chill out on the uh, unskippable pop-ups.
0: That's true. Some goofy features have made their way to to Edge recently, but... uh... Mm -hmm. I digress.
1: It's getting a little pushy for my taste, but it's still a great browser. Microsoft just needs to trust that it's a great browser and let it speak for itself. Anyways, I'll get off my soapbox now.
0: Okay, my (laughs) feature today, Alex, I'm in Word Online of all places. Word Online. And what I want to show is something called Designer. Uh, I kind of stumbled into this the other day, and I kind of think it could work for some organizations. So here's... Cantoso's annual report, and you can see someone has done a, a decent job of making this look uh, visually appealing. We've got some nice fonts and some colors and some headings, and uh, it's all fine and dandy. But what Designer lets you do, if I press the right button here, maybe not, is it's got a fly in here. And again, this is only going to work well on Word Online, uh, but you do get some pre-made themes that you can apply across the entire document. So here's a nice one with some bubbly bits here, and you can see we changed the font. And what's nice is it'll go through, and if you've used headings, if you've used those different sort of pre, um, pre-made section breaks, all those types of things, it's just gonna apply some nice fonts, colors. Here's another example with, you know, some different hand handwritten type of uh, fonts. We've got this with a nice graphic to it. Again, just a nice way to, for lack of a better word, remix your document. Um, There are some weaknesses here. There's a limited number of themes. Uh, It appears that Microsoft is adding more and more over time. There could be the potential where a group of users use one theme in your org and a group of users use another theme in your org. But if there was a way for you to communicate and the only, this is the only thing that really is lacking here right now with designer. If at the corporate level or IT level, you could you know, pick the four that you always want to use as a team or pick the only two that you, you sort of corporately sanction, that would take this thing to the next level. But if you're a writer and a little less of a layout, font, color, graphic picking person, This designer is pretty cool. And again, here's just a a plain old five-year vision. We've got a chart kind of plastered in there halfway through. Just gonna open this designer uh, tab here from the ribbon, word in the browser, and let's just go find something real wild. This one looks fun. Five-year vision with a great graphic. Font colors are updated. Heading sizes, everything adapts great fonts, good, clean looking designs, no comic sans. I don't think, I haven't come across it yet.
1: But yet just, being the operative board
0: <laughs> But just very simple. And you can see one click and it's applying the styles, it's applying the colors, it's applying the fonts all the way through the document. This is a short one, but let's say you had a, a 50 page report. It's gonna do it in one click. And that's my feature. Again, just something really small. Something nice tucked in here in Word Online. It's in PowerPoint as well. You'll find it a few other places, but I just wanted to show it off here in Word. A nice way to make a document of some type, a little more visual. Mm -hmm.
1: That did come from PowerPoint. Um, And you hit the nail on the head about the lack of the ability to pick certain templates or... Mm -hmm. Even better, add your own corporate ones that you already use, and just kind of have those embedded. Do you remember a couple of years ago when there were some inklings of Microsoft allowing you to bring in your own organizational
0: templates into this experience? What happened I'm with that? still waiting. I'm still waiting. They 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 set up the infrastructure to do it. There's a couple of ways you can kind of hack something together in 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 SharePoint uh, in document libraries, but it's not as graceful as they had this, I think it was like work templates. It was a link in, uh, for sure in PowerPoint. I know I remember seeing it, but then it uh, it kind of died on the vine. So mm-hmm. we'll have to take a look. Yeah, I know they are
1: coming up with something called modern templates, which are supposed to allow you to take like Word documents and have customizable fields in them. Mm-hmm. So that way people only mess with the information in that Word document. So maybe that's kind of where they're heading. We'll see on that because there's not a lot of information on there and that will be a f- possibly a future, future versus feature.
0: There we go. So for this week, folks, we've got Alex's Edge Clipping Shortcuts, little uh, edge tools there, and my Word Online Designer. Give us a few minutes after the show closes today. I will get the poll up on Twitter and our Twitter handle is twitter.com slash teammowo. That's where you can go and vote. We'll see you back in in a week's time to see who claims victories. Alex going to tie up and catch up to me, or uh, will we go three and one? Fingers crossed. We shall see. And that's going to do it for for this episode of the Mosh. I know we're a few minutes past the hour, so thank you so much for staying a little bit extra time with us. I hope you've had a good morning. I hope your coffee or drink of choice this morning has been to your delight. If you want to find out more about what we're up to, what our MoO team is doing, MoO.ca is the best place to find that out. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you get notified every week when we go live. Uh, If you haven't visited our YouTube channel or you're watching on LinkedIn live, uh, youtube.com slash is the place to go. Again, our Twitter uh, feed to vote and um, subscribe there as well because we do post lots of tips and reminders and great information, twitter.com slash teammowo. And I know we haven't done a voicemail in a few weeks, uh, but if you do wanna leave us a voicemail, if it's a question about Excel VBA macros, hey, we'll do our best to answer your question online. If it's a question about planner, if it's a question about lists, if it's a question about any feature, app, service within Microsoft 365 we want to hear from you and we'll do our best again to answer that online there we go on behalf of the entire MoO team Alex thank you so much great show
1: thank you everyone for
0: joining us and we'll see you next time bye now